Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels to the Vortex and arrives at episode 553, which is very complicated, hard to explain, and up for discussion. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How is Which everybody this week? <laughs> I want Not dibs bad. on hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take uh, up for discussion. Oh, I was going to take up for discussion. <laughs> oh, that leaves me with complicated. complicated. <laughs> Actually, okay. you know. I, it, I'm kind of complicated. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> hmm. Were you going to really? take complicated, Sean? I, I was going to take complicated if you wanted hard to explain. Um, okay. I'll swap. Okay. <laughs> what, you, what were you even doing? I don't um, think of you as complicated, Glenn. I'm oh, sorry. Well, just, what are you saying? I'm simple? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. But... <laughs> How's everybody doing? Did anybody... Uh, we, we actually just recorded not too long ago, um, only about four days ago. So did you guys get anything in? Any movies watched or books read while we were in between shows? I finished Lock and Key Volume 5, mm. and it's uh, it's good. It continues to be a, a, a good run, and uh, you can definitely see where elements of the show came from, although they didn't stick to it religiously, but uh, but it's quality. I'm looking forward to finishing that off. We, uh, we watched Street Fighter, which normally I would not even mention. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we have kind of a, a rotating uh, film on Friday nights and everybody gets a chance to pick and it was Julian's pick and uh, we'd asked, well, what are you going to do? And he kind of laughingly said, you know, I'm going to make you watch Street Fighter. And everybody in the room kind of paused for a minute and went, you know, I never have seen that one. Yeah, okay, I'd be down with that. And <laughs> the look of abject terror on his face was worth you know, making him watch it as well, just because he, he, he did not expect us to say yes to that one. <laughs> um, and you know, Raul Julia is truly phenomenal. He Unfortunately, it. it's, it's Raul Julia's last performance. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for, I mean, it's not a good movie. Don't misunderstand. <laughs> this is not a good movie, but it's oddly watchable. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, despite having a lack of street fighting in it, yeah. it, 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 it. <laughs> it's a it's a '90s action film that's you know got its merits and ride the coattails success of the first Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Well, I, wait a minute. Just, Didn't Street Fighter come out before Mortal Kombat? Street Fighter did come out. Yeah, yeah. it would have oh, been riding it? the yeah. first riding the coattails of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All the way to the sewer, it rode those coattails. <laughs> Um, but yeah, high aspirations just, it had. <laughs> it, it, it's it's literally one of the biggest small movies I, I think I've ever seen because I mean it's got scads of people. There's extras galore, and yet you can very obviously tell the it felt like a shoestring budget, and we only had time to build this corner of the set, so all of those extras are going <laughs> to yeah. pour through this room. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just uh, just kind of amazing. I thought the costuming was really good. I don't think the special effects 
are all that great, but I think the costume. Yeah, no, it was definitely a definitely let down on the effects sequence. But yeah, Mel and I are continuing to work our way through Mission Impossible's. We're up to Ghost Protocol. Man, I love that one. <laughs> and I started, but haven't had a chance to finish it yet. Carnival of Souls. Mm. You had never seen first, it. I have never seen it. It's oh. a first time watch for me. Yeah. So that shot mostly over in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so far, I'm enjoying it. It's a classic. What about you, Keith? I watched the first episode of Secret Invasion. I have not started it yet. How it is was, it? It was good. I liked it. It's, you know, it's a spy thriller set in the Marvel Universe, and it's it's so far really well done. It has a nice, uh, nice pacing to it. Sam Jackson gets to really, you know, kind of shine as initially the, the gruff fury that we know and love. And then a bit more of a Sam Jackson fury later on in the episode. But so far, I'm I'm impressed. I'm looking forward to the next one. I saw some people have been liking it to the same mood and feel as Winter Soldier. Yeah, I could see that. It maybe that's why, because Winter Soldier is still one of the highest ones for me. Mm. And so the fact that the feel of it is similar, I think, plays to its favor. Yeah. And yet it still has its humor too, so that, that helps. If you haven't um, watched Captain Marvel in a while, it might be not a bad idea to watch the Marvel Legends as a refresher on the scrolls and specifically mm. what's going on with them. Right, right. Because I didn't really remember, so watching that really helped. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> My, it's not a bad idea to just step through all of the ones they released just because mm. if you don't have time to rewatch the movies. <clears throat> That's all I did, though. Um, I didn't watch anything. Robin's in a play. Um, she's in um, Sideways Stories from Wayside School. So we went and saw that on Saturday. And that's a f- fun little nonsensical play that's based on a kid's book from 1978. That's all I can say about it. It's just a goofy little play. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fun. Really f- funny, funny moments in it. Enjoyed it. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. The only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. 
Well, speaking of books from the 70s, <laughs> uh, I listened to the audio edition of The Making of Doctor Who. Oh, I should set this up properly. Let me get my timer ready. <laughs> Let me see if I've got an antidote that I can do this week. Um, <laughs> any trivia that I know about timers? Um, did you know that um, Thomas Edison um, created the first timer? No, I don't know. I'd actually, buy that for a dollar. <laughs> actually, I think it was Aristotle. I think he's the one that created the sand timer that you turn up upside down. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if we're going to go old school. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah sure, I I'll buy that. I don't know that any of that's true. Please somewhere. don't quote me on that. <laughs> Remember, we're just like Doctor Who Confidential. Less facts. <laughs> um, man, I hope that show comes back. <laughs> Is, aren't we getting a version of it? Didn't I don't know. That? There's rumors. Did you? I think so. Maybe it's just Rumor, rumors. Hearsay. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like we're getting a. Uh, it'll be a. Sh I think it's a shorter confidential type show. But probably released hmm. on YouTube. That's how the they've done it on the other making of since then. Yeah, it could be. Well, as I was saying, this was the making of Doctor Who, and this is my something new two minute review. Okay, so originally this book uh, was released in paperback in 1972. It was a nonfiction uh, tome from Terrence Dix and screenwriter Malcolm Hulk. And then uh, a second edition came out in 76, just after Tom Baker took over the role. And the audio is the version, uh, the, the second version. And uh, it features um, kind of a lot of the, the, the same... Uh, folks who came and did the last one uh, that I reported on. You've got Louise Jameson and Dan Starkey and Jeffrey Beavers. Um, but they've added uh, Katie Manning and John Coleshaw and Maureen O'Brien, which is uh, very cool. And um, it's split up into a series of, um, you know, kind of behind-the-scenes segments. They recount the Doctor's adventures, um, tying in with our 6B discussion, the uh, extended Trial of the Time Lord sequence uh, for the second Doctor is there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they get into a little bit about how scripts are commissioned and, uh, oh, different actors who have played different companions through the years and uh, what uh, some of the casting decisions have looked like. And quite honestly, there's no information here that you either A, didn't already know or B, didn't have a, you know, pretty solid grasp on. It is very interesting from a, this is how television was made in the 70s in England standpoint. Mm. So if you have an interest in that element of it, while it's very dry, uh, that was probably the most fascinating um, look where they basically took uh, Robot, the first Tom Baker, and kind of stair-stepped their way through it from commissioning the script to going on air. And, you know, year later uh, afterwards, they had no idea that there was that long of a process in some regards. So that part was very interesting. But again, it was very, very dry. And uh, so I don't know that I would uh, recommend this one as highly as I did the last one. Mm -hmm. But it's out there and available. And that is my something new two-minute review. I had um, seen that they <laughs> they didn't even use the cover image from either of the two <laughs> books they actually used the cover image from the Doctor Who Monster book. So <laughs> I guess they decided they're not going to do that one in audio, or they'll reuse the cover if they do, I suppose. 
Or they'll use the making of Doctor Who cover for the switch it all up. I mean, the, the, the 72 version <laughs> does have a sea devil on it. Yeah, so, that's you know. true. The 76 version is just Tom Baker's head. So I'm not looking so much looking to listening to that one now. After that little I, I, don't get me wrong. It's not bad. Yeah, it no, just, no. it's, it's just dry. Yeah, right. <laughs> and at times feels a little bit like an ad for target books, because as they're discussing various monsters you can read more about the Silurians in, and then they proceed to read off all of the Target books that have really? been released, but do not mention any of the episodes of the Silurians. Are oh, I'll be darned. <laughs> I was like, they definitely knew where what side of the bread their butter was right, on when right. they uh, when they published this. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Cheshki. And Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg, and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. All right, well, we don't have any news to talk about this week and uh, nothing else going on, so I guess we can go ahead and just launch right into our reviews. Uh, we're continuing with the Once and Future series from Big Finish. Uh, this time we're doing Once and Future, the artist at the end of time. And uh, just a reminder that this is Big Finish's contribution to the uh, 60th anniversary. Gathered in this gallery are the final artworks produced by the worlds now sadly silenced by time. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Once and Future, The Artist at the End of Time. <laughs> you wouldn't happen to have any Time Lord DNA in this gallery, would you? You! Show me stuff. Something is wrong. What are you doing at this end of time? About stuff a time war. You? Well, actually, I came here to find myself. This universe is dying. He finished his painting just as the world ended. Really? Killing worlds as he makes art. How will you face your death? The last creations in the universe. A diamond among the stars. A TARDIS at the end of time. Who are you? Who are you? Big Finish. For the love of stories. And the Doctor spent lifetimes saving worlds. But there comes a time when the magic stops working. Suffering from the effects of degeneration, the Doctor heads toward the end of the universe in search of answers. Instead, he finds his daughter, Jenny and an artist whose works appear to mark the end of 
every world they touch. The Doctor stabilizes into his fifth form to join forces with Jenny and the curator to solve the mystery of the final gallery and the art it has collected. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I'd give it a, I'd give it a moderate bum, bum, bum. It has, yeah, it, it, has, it has a big glaring issue, but it's a fun story. Um, when do you guys want to start off? I kind of want to hear what the big glaring issue well, is. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I, I kind of <laughs> wanted you guys to go first to talk about it. So, first of all, stellar performance from everybody. I, I thoroughly enjoy Peter Davison and Georgia Moffat playing off of each other in this story. It's a lot of fun to hear him as the doctor and him and her as, as Jenny, the doctor's uh, daughter. I really enjoyed the fact that she's, you know, there. They've obviously, you know, I think we even listened to the last audio that they did together, which featured he and and, and uh, Jenny. And so he, he learned that he has a daughter in the future. Um, but... Uh, so they already they get past that. We don't have to deal with that much. Um, but they just they really kind of play off each other a lot. And I love that she calls him dad. And it's just it, it, it's a lot of fun. And Colin Baker's take on the curator is wonderful. He doesn't play it like he does the Sixth Doctor. He has a very different tone and style that he takes when he does it, um, which is something that I think Tom Baker could have done. Although I'm not sure they leaned into the future incarnation of the doctor as much. I mean, we, that's what they implied in day of the doctor, but I think had he been given more about that, uh, being the case that maybe he might've changed up his, uh, or maybe they encouraged him not to, so that, it, that at least for the 50th, it would have felt, you know, like the fourth doctor's presence was there. But anyway, I, I like that. Um, Colin does a little bit of different, uh, you know, just a tone, a different demeanor, a different attitude. Um, so all of that's great. I love the premise, the idea that the curator is going to all these different planets to, uh, you know, remember them before their end or to to allow other people to, you know, share in them, have that last moment. And then him feeling that he must be cursed because he feels like he's the cause of these, this destruction happening. And so great concept. And herein lies the problem is we spend all this time at the front end of this, which is a lot of fun, uh, popping to different locations because the doctor, first of all, they have to... Uh, I'll get to that. They, anyway, they're popping to all these different locations so that the doctor and Jenny can run into each other. He's he's kind of looking for her in a way. And then coming across the artist. And the the, the problem that I have with this is they do all of that and then we're not even a third of the way into the story when we meet the curator... And I already know what's happening. And you've got three very intelligent people in this story. Three very intelligent characters who are unable to figure out the very simple and obvious situation that's happening. And all three of the main characters should have figured this out much earlier. That there, we've already set up that there's this uh, uh, gallery. They've been there already. And they should have just known that the reason why these pieces were why, why the, the worlds were being destroyed is because they have to have a destruction so that the paintings are worth more when they're in the gallery. And for all of them to kind of dance around that and not figure that out, that bugged the heck out of me. I just, 
And when they finally got to the point where, and I think it's the doctor who's first saying, almost like I'm going to test a theory kind of, you know, he doesn't say that, but he kind of, you, you feel that he's testing that theory, especially taking, uh, eventually taking the curator to the gallery. Um, so that to me just kind of was really frustrating that it was so obvious what was happening here, but the three of them didn't figure it out sooner. Um, but other, you know, overall, other than that, I enjoyed the story and I enjoyed the performances so I can get past that. But that was just really the other thing is <laughs> I'm sure Sean will touch on this because he brought this up. The last uh, Once in Future that we listened to is that it sort of feels like and this is probably what they've done. It sort of feels like somebody had a good story. And then they said, ooh, let's figure out how we can work it into our once and future. Because <laughs> this one even does much less with the mystery of the uh, uh, degeneration, although now we're, we're regenerating again because we've gone from four to five. But also, though, we bumped to, we went to six, seven and then six and then up to seven again in that, you know, they've got those little montages. They're not montages, but the crazy, you know, bookends there that are happening. So it's really super obvious now that they're just taking these stories and going, okay, let's put a front and a back on them and make them part of this once in future event. So anyway, that's the only two things that, that bugged me about it. You know, it's funny to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> as this started and we, we are dropped in and immediately dealing with the final gallery very little about the degeneration other than do you have any time lord dna mm -hmm. and i'll be honest i had even forgotten that that was a thing i was just here for a fifth doctor adventure <laughs> and so it wasn't until he began to kind of sort of explain why he wanted it was like oh yeah that was kind of going on there wasn't it um so that's how much it's really not a thing in the story mm -hmm. But when they're talking about this final gallery, I got so excited going, what a cool idea. The gallery at the end of time, the final, we're preserving artwork from all these lost worlds. And uh, I, I just, ooh, that's cool. And then my writer brain kicked in and I said, well, if it were me, I'd, I'd, I'd have somebody nefarious running the gallery who was actually going and blowing up these worlds in order to sell the artwork at a higher <laughs> price. And as the thing played out, I kept hoping I was wrong <laughs> because I mean, right off the bat, I had that thought and they just kind of kept not leaning into it, mm -hmm. but it, it, it was, it was this inevitable slow march to it. It was like, uh, yeah, that, that's where, that's where we're going, isn't it? And it did feel like it sucked a little bit of the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, which is unfortunate because as you said, there's so much fun to be had um, with the doctor and, and, and Jenny and, you know, dad. Oh, I just do that because he, you know, he bristles and he rankles and, you know, <laughs> she just likes poking the bear with the stick, which is fun. And um, knowing, of course, obviously the, uh, you know, real life father-daughter connection uh, certainly adds to that sense of, uh, sense of play at work but um all all of that was great 
I agree with you about Colin Baker. I thought he was, I mean, Colin Baker, let's face it, is always good in audio. Mm -hmm. uh, he, 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 he is just, I hate to say this, it doesn't sound mean, but I mean, he has a voice for radio. He, he really uh, is, is in tune with it. And this was a very much different portrayal. And I liked that. And I don't know, I don't know that you could have gotten away with that with Tom. I, I think partially because we're going to have Tom show up and we're going to, you know, kind of sort of make him a different character, but we want everybody to know that he's the doctor, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I also think that Tom is such a force of personality. I don't think he would have played it differently, even if being asked to, if that makes sense. I, I, I he just, you know, he breezed into the room and said, well, I'm Dr. Who. And they said, no, you're the curator. And he says, all right, sure. If you say so, but I'm Dr. Who I can just see that conversation <laughs> happening. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, Colin definitely put some different shades, uh, on the performance, uh, which again was wonderful and very, uh, very emotional, very, uh, very, very heart string pulling, um, especially <laughs> blowing up the eye of harmony. Boo. <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared for that one. I didn't realize how much that one little scene in the five doctors all those years ago, apparently implanted itself pretty strongly in my, <laughs> my subconscious. I was not ready to let go of that one. In fact, when he arrives and says, I should have come here first, I was going, yeah, why didn't you? I didn't even think of it, but you should come here first. And lo and behold, but, um, Yeah, no, I, I I think you're probably right. I think it's a I think it's an overall enjoyable ride. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think those are probably the two glaring problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would agree. Those are the two glaring problems. Um, and they, you know, looking at the story, had they not shown us the fact that they were also selling these pieces of art, I probably wouldn't have picked up on it and then said, "Oh, well, that's why they're," you know. The world are being destroyed is they're selling them because it's not just a gallery you know it's not just a museum it's a gallery where they're selling things so yeah all of that is unfortunate that they made it so transparent but the ride is enough of a of a fun ride between the chemistry between all three of them not just jenny and the doctor but having colin in there as a curator the she and he and Jenny had great chemistry in addition to him and the doctor not quite bickering like they're actually versions of each other, but still kind of bickering <laughs> like they are. It was a very nice balance they had there. Mm -hmm. And I, I do, I think the Colin Baker is probably the, the, the shiniest star in the story. His performance as a curator is so nuanced and so well done that it truly makes you think it's a different character as opposed to the doctor. So I, he, he is kind of the biggest bright spot in this whole story for me. I would agree. My other issue with it, which I, I don't, it's not really an issue until we finish the entire series, <laughs> but the fact that we don't really, they, they hint at, you know, Oh, there's somebody behind this greater than GLaDOS. 
And <laughs> they were so trying to do GLaDOS there. Uh, but they never really go into it, who it is. So if they don't come back and that have something to do with the bigger arc, I'm going to be very disappointed and feel like we didn't truly get a resolution to this. Yeah. No, the gallery may be gone, but the people behind the gallery are still doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm going to bring up one more thing that's kind of off topic here, but it's related to the story. I can't help but wonder about something. And this may have been intentional, or maybe it wasn't, or maybe it was subliminal, but James Goss wrote this story. And there's a part in there where he likens the selling of the curator's art for profit, like trading cards. And it kind of Mm -hmm. struck me that maybe it's a jab at something happening in real life. And the reason I say that is James Goss, he was the coordinating producer, and I think he, he was even behind the idea of Time Lord Victorious, which was the multimedia crossover event that we reviewed a few or, yeah, a few years ago. And now Doctor Who Worlds Apart, the online card game, the online trading card game that launched earlier this year or late last year, it's launch set of cards is the time lord victorious cards and as you know those cards are nfts and they can be bought sold and traded among players and collectors and so there is just some little thing in the back of my mind wondering if this line or even maybe some of the premise of the story was inspired by some way i don't know i'm just presuming Hmm. i may be reading more into it than there is but it the connection between Goss and that and his baby being used over at Worlds Apart, I thought, was kind of an interesting um, <laughs> connection. Hmm. Food for thought, I suppose. All right. Well, anything else on Once in Future Part 2? Well, let's move on to Liberation of the Daleks. And this week we are tackling parts five through eight. And just to recap for listeners, this is the ongoing 14th Doctor comic that is happening in Doctor Who magazine. And in fact, part nine just released, I think, yesterday or two days ago. And so uh, we're picking up where we left off with the last one. Who wants to start on this one? I, I, I get it, Glenn. You don't have to keep driving it home just for me. I'm on board with you now. I understand it's a 14th Doctor story. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Feels like you're talking to me. <laughs> um, you know, oh, what a cool, nutty little story. Uh, maybe I am just a big fan of amusement parks in the future i'm a big fan of amusement parks now um but i i enjoyed the uh the 11th doctor comic that was set on a uh, an amusement park world i remember really digging that one and 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 this one is no different um when we get the um rather early uh, reveal that uh oh they've got uh you know actual Dalek uh, mutants strung up and plugged into these uh, psychoplasmic worlds that they are uh, feeding off of them. 
And it just kind of like, and now here comes the doctor and he's staring at the thing. And it's like, oh, this is about to go Jurassic Park. <laughs> I, I can I can just tell. This is exactly where it's. And once again, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Have we learned nothing? And obviously the answer is no. Um, but it... Uh, develops in a wow didn't see that coming way when uh, the creations bust loose but they bust loose from the the simulation not from you know their little enclosures and climb into the nearest convenient relic of a Dalek casing which is kind of what I was expecting right right um so that that was all very cool and you know they sell it with this great image of the uh Commandala coming out of the TARDIS. What a <laughs> what a beautiful <laughs> panel that is. I don't know. I I'm I'm very curious to see where we go. I'm I'm enjoying this ride quite a bit. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying there. Um, I think that one of the issues that I had, it's not even an issue so much, was they they emerge from the TARDIS which is this wow moment like, oh, they've actually figured out how to, um, or, or something has given them form. I don't know. I'm sure they figured it out. They, they still sort of believed they were real, that, that, that they, this wasn't a simulation. And the only problem I had is we haven't met this Georgie avatar yet, right? I mean, we—I don't remember. I don't remember. It, it's Georgette's obviously avatar from the Dream World, but the doctor's like, uh, he almost has this moment of he recognizes who she is, like they've been traveling together, and I thought that seemed a little just out of nowhere, and so I kind of first of all wondered why on earth she would be on the TARDIS. On the other hand, the yeah, I, I I wondered how she was even on the TARDIS in the first place because she's the one that has to let them in, so she becomes a convenience, but that just that threw me off like that I had missed something and I had you know I didn't go back and fully read everything from the first story but I went back and kind of glanced to see if I just missed something and I don't know where she popped up or where she came from but anyway uh the other thing that I had a a, a bit of an issue with and it, it, this isn't huge and and I'm going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse here with this but you know I'm I just don't like the whole anthropomorphized <laughs> animals that they that they do well so when the doctor first comes out at the end of the last one it's the two apes in the spacesuits that are you know greet him first and so i sort of expected them there to be more to that and then this particular set almost just hand wave at least they give us an explanation but they kind of hand wave it off but it's the fact that this was once a zoo and the keepers, I'm not even sure I understood what the keepers did, but they became the animals, I guess. Anyway, so they gave it a, a, a reason for why it's there, but then that's it. We don't get, I mean, we're revisited one more time by the lion guy, but it's almost like the artist or the, yeah, maybe even the artist uh, or the writer decided to go for the visuals of that with the planet of the apes kind of nod at the end of the last, um, 
one or two ago that we did. And so then I kind of felt cheated on that because I thought they were there was going to be more to that in the involvement of this story. And we're nine parts in now and, and there's nothing more about that. So so that bothered me a little bit, too. But overall, I, I agree with Sean. It's it's just kind of a nutty, fun story. Um, I'm absolutely loving the Daleks. I'm loving the Supreme Dalek. I think he, he's the right amount of <laughs> right amount of Dalek, right amount of egotistical Dalek. Um, I love the fact that we've dispatched of the 13th Doctor's screwdriver in this so that when we return to uh, screen, we don't have to explain where, you know, that one even went, you know, which is fine. I mean, I, he could have, you know, built a new one or whatever, but they don't even have to, you know, do a transition for that now. So they've, they've got to take care of that off screen. In an issue titled The First Death. Yeah, no right. <laughs> And yet there is no death. Oh, the, the screwdriver. But the Sonic. I, I'm completely, I'm completely <laughs> convinced that it was a screwdriver is the first death. And just for the record, I did go back and look. Um, Page is in the first set of, of, of volumes, but for only one, two, three, four panels. Georgie, you mean? Or, uh, yeah. Uh, she runs up and says, hey, are you a policeman? Do you want this? And hands him the soccer trophy. Oh, yeah, that was her. And then it's he ushers into the TARDIS because, well, their aim's getting better. Right, and then the Daleks right. pick up the TARDIS, and he's yelling at her, shut the door and leave it shut. I'll, I'll figure something yeah. out. Okay. She's literally in four panels. She's literally right. in four panels. So that, that was all we got of her in the, in the first set. Was she even in four? I see her in three. Well, oh, her no, legs her legs. One. No, she's in five. <laughs> she's in five panels. Because if you go back one more page, she's standing outside of the TARDIS in silhouette to oh. the very far left. Yeah. I've completely okay. forgot about this part. Yeah, you're right. Her, her legs and her shadow. <laughs> How did I forget this? Because this is where they had the um, the little Dalek hover, <laughs> hover discs, and I got all excited about those because you don't see those very often. Because you were focusing on the hover discs. A little other rounds. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I also really appreciate you, you. You mentioned the Dalek Supreme being just the right amount of Dalek. It's like, okay, so we've obviously been around the block a few times here. We know that Time Lord technology is uh, transcendental, uh, dimensionally transcendental, and that you could fit your entire crew from the saucer into that ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we don't. You're going to stay here. I'm going to take two guards with me and you will be the ultimate surviving things in this universe. Right. It's like, wow, what a Dalek thing to do. Uh -huh. Let's, uh, let's go on hold. We lost Keith for a moment. Yeah. I just noticed. Okay. He's back. There he is. Can you hear us? I can hear you now. Okay. Very good. Hey. We lost you for a minute. So. Yeah. Like, Discord received an update and wants to do it, but <laughs> probably partially started. Wow, you guys get more updates than on Discord. I haven't had one on Discord for a while, mm. so. Yeah, very, very Dalek. Very Dalek of them. The other fun scene was the, hey, can you exterminate me? <laughs> and the whole crowd getting into the, no, 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 I want to be exterminated. <laughs> which just kind of opens up to this i don't know nightmare fuel of mm -hmm. 
stupidity and gullibility. <laughs> well, and, uh, it, it's that whole <laughs> they're 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 buying into that fantasy. Yeah, and they're buying into it. Fate. You know, completely buying into it, and yeah, it just. Especially when you know there is a certain amount of threat. We're not sure how much because they are still constructs of this, what they call it, psychoplasm. And so we, we, don't, we still don't know how much, but you just it really kind of puts you on edge a little bit because you, we know what the result could be, how, how bad that could be. And they're just, you know, carefree. Hey, I want to be part of this experience kind of thing. And it's, it does make it a little scary. I think I'm to see where it goes mm-hmm. with the last Yeah, I'm panel. very curious by yeah, this the <laughs> end of this. There's only one place you can find sanctuary. Scaro. And how retro it looks. Love it. It looks so much like the old comics. In fact, the Scaro's in the old comic font and the red background and uh they got the Daleks on the hover rounds and the different colors mm-hmm. and it's really cool looking. <laughs> I think I'm gonna make this I think I'm gonna make it my uh desktop. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> no, I'm really I'm enjoying the story. Uh, you know the, the the few things aside, although uh, giving me a little bit more of where Georgie comes from, and also I think because they, she's the one that's the, the, you know that heads to Scaro. So I think that that's the. I think they're going to give us more. The, the mystery behind this, you know, this gal's avatar. I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a little more of that story, and it'll make a little more sense. I hope, but yeah, I'm just I'm enjoying it. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Again, it's a lot of fun to have a 14th Doctor story. You know, we we just barely got introduced to the 14th Doctor at the end of Power of the Dog, and so we get you know at least some fun adventures with him and get a little feel for him before the specials come out. Agreed. It's doing some nice twists and turns where I'm not sure where it's going to go next. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate yeah. that about it. Yeah, it's certainly not predictable in any way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we continue with our 60th anniversary tie-in uh, episodes with a review of the first five parts of Doomsday. Uh, the first one being a digital short story that's out there on social media on the Doctor Who web or from the Doctor Who website. Uh, and then uh, hours two through five are in Doctor Who magazine and they're comics. So we'll be taking a look at that, uh, the start of that story next time. And then, this is still next, isn't it? Mm hmm. The Beep the Meep Adversary Archive, because we know you didn't get enough of Beep from our <laughs> last episode. We certainly didn't. So uh, the Meep returns. We will kind of give just a cursory uh, overview of Starbeast since we just came from there. Uh, but then we will also be covering the comic Starbeast 2, along with uh, TV action and the audio adventure from Big Finish, The Ratings War, and... The short story, Who on Earth is Beep the Meep? All of that and more coming up. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, you can find us on TravelingTheVortex.com. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by uh, clicking on our Patreon link and consider supporting us. And when you become a patron of the podcast, you unlock more audios and specials from us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. If you haven't been had a chance yet and you're on TikTok, um, check us out on TikTok. We have a few little uh, videos on there, short form. Um, I think my favorite one that we've put up so far is the us playing pinball. I think we talked a little bit about that a few weeks back, but uh, that was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a blast doing that. Um, Doctor Who pinball. Uh, make sure you join in the conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook, or uh, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Travel Vortex because of that character limitation. So Travel Vortex. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still a thing? It might not be. I may be able to uh, lengthen that out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> it, may, it may be longer. I know the tweets can be any length. Yeah, no, I, I just didn't know if the character name's yeah, good. I don't know. I haven't checked the character names for a while, so we may be changing that. Uh, anything else that we need to discuss before we close this week's program? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm confused. I'm <laughs> Keith. Cheers. You are not. You're hard to describe. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.